2: And welcome to Vavil UK's very own Newcastle United podcast, Time Warp. Well, <laughs> it's been a long time and there's a reason why. So basically we recorded one of these podcasts two or three weeks ago and it went really well. It was probably the best one we've ever recorded. we are doing season reviews, we gushed about Christian Benteke, well me and Dan did. But when it came to editing the piece, my audio for some reason was just terrible, it was inaudible. So it took the executive decision of the podcast not going out, but... What you can do is you can catch up on the website, on the Newcastle Vival Twitter page, you can see our season review, that's essentially what we talked about in there, so check that out, about 3,000 words on Newcastle season and what is to come in the summer, so if you've not seen that already, please go and give it a read, it would be really much appreciated. But today's podcast, well, we're in the midst of, of the Euros and there's, there's not a lot going on for once uh, in the Newcastle front, expected to pick up in a couple of weeks with all the take over stuff going on we'll, we'll come to that near the end of the podcast but lads it's really nice isn't it just to kind of be away from newcastle and, and taking the optimism that england has, has brought us
3: yeah it's, it's brilliant the nation fully expects england to win every time they step on the pitch which couldn't be further away from how we go on with newcastle because we just expect the worst because it usually happens at the minute this seems like a genuine thought that england might do something pretty special and it's it's quite nice to be a part of instead of all the doom and gloom
4: yeah i 100 percent echo that it's every time you you see somebody else whether they're wearing an england shirt or you know they're a football fan all that we can echo to each other is it's coming home boys it's coming home <laughs> <laughs> well i've had a nightmare
2: trying to order an england shirt because i'm going with my friends on friday We're recording this on tuesday by the way it's a uh, Big England Scotland game of course. I am hoping to get this out before then. But I've had a nightmare trying to get an England shirt sourced. I was I was gonna buy the, the new England shirt, uh, the the one I was, I was gonna get it off JD because I get a nice, you know, twenty per cent student discount. And it's seventy pound. Like I, I mean when I was like ten or eleven, I could get like the well a bit younger than that should I say, probably about seven or eight. I could get the full kit for like thirty quid. Terrible nowadays, but anyways, I've ordering a, 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 a do them like mock up shirts you can get not the score draw ones but the ones you can get from china you can get a euro 96 england shirt with gaza on the back all the badges everything on for 12 quid so i am i am thrilled i mean it's not going to arrive probably till Qatar 2022 but <laughs> <laughs> thankfully i've managed to dig an england shirt out the bottom of my bottom of my drawer. draw to the 1982 shirt it's just it's got just a lack of kevin keegan on the back but yeah newcastle's it's it's been a bit weird hasn't it that there's not been a lot going on we've got the the fixtures coming out tomorrow they'll be already out by the time uh, the podcast's out but the what we can't break you is that we'll play uh, 19 teams twice during the season so not a lot to report on that one but what there is to report is uh, a very very interesting statement that we saw from Alan Nixon in the Sun and he, he said that Newcastle United have got a 50 million pound transfer budget which to me, straight away, I didn't believe because you know the club is still in the process of being sold. There's a lot going on there. Mike Ashley is the last person to expect to throw money at a, a club that he wants rid of. But one thing that has been a common trait is that Steve Bruce continually gets backed very, very well by this owner. So what do you guys think by this? Because obviously it's, it's good news, isn't it? 50 million quid, it probably means if Joel Willock is available, we'll be able to bring him in on a permanent deal as well as bring in but maybe a midfielder and a centre-half as well.
3: Just like you, I, f- I feel a lot of scepticism about the report. Um, it's unlike Mike Ashley to shout out that sort of money normally, let alone when you've got a summer where COVID-19 obviously had such a big effect on budgets of teams up and down the country and up and down the world or whatever. And like you said, he, he wants out the door. In his opinion, he will be out the door, I think, because he fully believes that he's got uh, two law cases against the league that are ready to go. So I don't necessarily buy it. Willick would be the first one you get in. The I don't know if you read the report, but it also name-dropped Nat Phillips of Liverpool, being someone that Newcastle were interested in buying, and I, I mean, that's underwhelming to me. Do you think But Yeah.
2: Think that's underwhelming? yeah I, I think I, it's I, quite I good. Like I've got a... Good friend, obviously Kiefer, who who came onto this podcast yeah, yeah. as a you know a big Liverpool fan, and he he constantly raves to me about Matt Phillips. I, I certainly don't think he's a you know he's a he's a world class. You know, he, you know he's not when Virgil Van Dijk comes back in the Liverpool side, he's not going to be knocking on the door of the first team there. But I certainly think he'd be a, a useful out, outlet for us. Considering Do not how f- poor we've been defensively this season, I don't think it can get much worse
3: for us at the back. Do you not think we're quite all right stocked at setting a half? Like we had a nightmare lot of injuries and stuff and COVID what happened this season and we were short but in my opinion you you bring Lejeune back into the into the squad and you don't need another centre-half I mean and like,
2: I get the Lejeune argument I understand he's a yeah. very very good season in speed but what you've got to consider it's a slow league and I remember he was here last season and I thought he was probably our worst defender so obviously it did not make sense to loan him out for the sake of, you know, we need bodies, you know, forget get injuries, which we all see and if we get injuries we're gonna need these backup players, but he's certainly not a world beater. And you what another thing you have to put into consideration is that Federico Fernandez isn't getting any younger. You know, all these guys are starting to get on a little bit now. Fabian Shaw, yes he's alright, but he's a bit of a he's a bit of a liability, Jamal DeSells is alright. Obviously I understand he's club captain, but then you've got Emil Kraft playing centre half. And Paul Dummett playing centre-half. It's mean, it might sound harsh, but these really shouldn't be players. that should be starting for Newcastle United in, in 2021. So Nat Phillips, he's you know, 24 years of age, I believe. He's an English centre-half. He's played very, very well for Liverpool in a good side, in a, in a demanding team. He's used to the pressure. And I think he'd do well. And he's a big lad and he'll win plenty of headers. And I think the fans will love him, but he's got to hit the ground running. Alex, what do you what do yeah. you think on that on Phillips? Because I think we're pretty split here, aren't we? Yeah,
4: I think um, so. <laughs> I, 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 actually, um, I actually partially agree with the both of you. I've seen Matt Phillips play both well and awful this season. Yeah. Um, I, he has played brilliantly in spells for Liverpool. Now, that could be due to the fact that he was literally thrown to the Wolves in February and gone, keep our defensive solid, please. You're not Virgil van Dijk. You're not Joe Gomez. You're not even our third choice centre back. You're our fifth. Help us, please. We need you. Oh, wait, no. Um, You're going to go back to the bench because we've just lost seven on the spin. <laughs> but, um, but we do need you again because now our fourth choice center back's now injured. So we need you again, uh, Matt. Can you come back and help us out? Right, you just got ragged by Joe Linton when we drew one on <laughs> <all> with Newcastle. <laughs> Can you help us out again? Please, please. Uh, but by the end of the season when he was confident, he was actually uh, quite a competent centre-back. So he needs, he's going to be one of them players that Steve Bruce can put an arm around and go, it's all right, Matt, it's all right. My son's worse than you are. And then uh, <laughs> he'll, he'll be able to be okay. He'll block you. <laughs> I've already blocked by Alex Bruce, actually. I guess... um, yeah, I am. I've already blocked by Alex Bruce. I have no idea how. Uh, that's a story for another podcast, I think. Uh, but <laughs> Matt Phillips um, to Newcastle United would be underwhelming. That's where I agree with them. Um, is that he would be overwhelming since we've been linked with the Celtic defender Iyer I think is how you pronounce yeah, it the, the football idea. manager legend um, that everyone always signs on their FM saves I, I I believe that would be more of a calibre of signing that we should be going for Young very good in the air again the same as Phillips can play with both feet and uh, obviously would fit into this side exponentially I do think Lejeune Fernandez, um have both had their time and probably should be moving on, which links back to the 50 million, um, this 50 million that's gone out. No, i um, sorry, no Mike Ashley's side that has been there under his tenure will ever have spent 50 million pounds just straight. And there've only been three times where we've spent more than 50 million pounds under his tenure um, and like we've sold players in that same season. So that means that there are probably going to be some outs as well as ins.
2: I think they'll try to lift some money off the wage, bill, but I think Fabian Shah, I think the whole penalty thing against Fulham was very much a sentiment of it's probably going to be his last game in the shirt. That's what I thought when he, when he took the penalty. I was like, you know, I think he's off. Realistically, though, how much money could they get for players? Because it's only Sip Maximin and Wilson who hold value for me. Almiron, yeah, maybe, but I, I don't think they'll sell. Place to be honest. Obviously, I think there'll be a few outs, but I don't think a Saint Maximin is going to be sold this transfer window. And that's got nothing to do with Newcastle United's transfer policy or them trying to hold on to players. It's more of the fact is there's not going to be enough interest there. Yes, he's a top draw player. I think he's one of the best wingers in the league, and every Newcastle fan will vouch for me on that one. But I just don't think that the football clubs, especially in this climate, will justify the. I think it's around seventy million pound price tag that the club have put on him. Because you've you've seen that you know clubs of uh, a mid-table stance similar to us have, have had similar you know stances with their players. Wilfred Zaha has been at a one where I think he's been up, he's wanted to leave every single year and he's never left. Jack Grealish obviously he's very happy at Villa, but Villa have always priced him out of a move as well. So I think Newcastle just need to do the same and, and stay resilient. But what I want to move back to is that is the Nat Phillips thing, and I don't think it'll be an amazing signing. I think it would be an all right one given our predicament of. Looking to finish seventeenth every season, which is what we are at the minute. If the price is right, Liverpool. Michael Edwards, their director of football, is very, very good at getting a lot of money for very mediocre players. You know, I think was it Dom Solanke? He got twenty million for from Bournemouth. So Liverpool are probably going to want about twenty million to part ways with them. I think anything under ten is feasible, considering you know he is English, he's got Premier League experience, so on and so forth. But nothing over ten million for me.
3: Yeah, I believe the price mentioned in the article was £10, 10 million, Yeah. which is just sort of on the borderline of being too much, but also you look at other players that have gone for such... I mean, Dom Slank, doubled double that a few years ago, and you think, how did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> and it's not really you do to Newcastle, I should, that really, it's bizarre. But yeah, I don't know, I feel like spending £10 million pounds of that budget on a centre-back... And a centre back that the few times I did watch him, his game's quite limited in my opinion. I don't know what you think. Like you say, yeah, he'll head every firm, he'll but I think you can get players like that in the championship or for certainly less than ten million pounds. It's a centre backs that have got a bit to their game that can play the ball out. That they're going to cost you a bit more, and that's where I'm sort of a bit underwhelmed. Whereas you can, where you're on the other side of the fence.
2: The thing is, it's hard to judge. I think with with. You know, especially like top Premier League teams because Liverpool are mm-hmm. high press. You know, with Newcastle, he's going to sit deep. You're gonna We're going to play 10 behind the ball. So as long as he can do the fundamentals of a defensive yeah. duty, then he's going to probably be pretty good. It's I like the whole Harry Maguire thing, like he's an excellent defender. But obviously, you know, Leicester play a lot deeper than Man United do. So a lot of people thought he got caught out with his pace. You don't actually need to be relatively quick to play in a, a bottom-end Premier League defense. That's why Cary Cahill for Crystal Palace is still pretty decent. Christoph Haji, I think, would be would be a good signing from from Celtic. But I, I've only seen. I, I mean, I must say, I, I'm no expert on Scottish football, but I have seen him. I've seen him play a handful of times in old firm games. And the last uh, game against Rangers, he got skinned by a 38-year-old uh, Jermaine Defoe. So <laughs> the jury's yeah. out on him. But he's a left-footed centre half, isn't he? I mean, they're few and far between nowadays. It's probably the reason why Keane Clark still plays for the club is because he's left-footed. It's the reason why Tyrone Mings is in the England squad because he's left-footed. So that could be useful, couldn't it? Especially for the for the six million pound price tag that's been uh, that's been talked about.
3: Yeah, cheaper as well. It's a cheaper option. Uh, look, I mean, like what you've basically said. I know about him because I've had him a few times on Footy Manager. Other than that, my lo- n- my knowledge is limited, but. He could be the next Van Dyke, come from Celtic. That's what they're thinking. Premier League.
2: This is this is what every, like Celtic now. They they can literally <laughs> sell people a donkey now as a young centre half because they just everyone just thinks they're going to be the next Van Dyke. But well, so let's say we we bring in one of these centre halves. I don't think we'll buy two because it's just not like Newcastle to no. bring in a couple of defenders. Say they get one. That means we're probably going to have about forty million pounds spare. Joel Willock. Arsenal need to sell. They need to sell players this summer. They're, they're, trying to bring, I think they're trying to bring in Erdegaard on a permanent. Real Madrid said no. They're looking to bring in Ben White from... Obviously, he was on England duty at the minute. Too. I thought, by the way, it was actually very, very good. And I'm going to go on for a bit of a tangent now. But I could, when I went to watch England play uh, against Romania, it was the last they will game down at the Riverside. It made it pretty clear to me why Newcastle players don't get picked for England. Because the quality <laughs> was so good. Like the centre halves are so commanding on the ball, it's just something that we lack at this club. And I think, I think our only hope for an England player, it, obviously if Willock signs on a permanent, is Callum Wilson. It's just, it's just depressing. I think.
3: Ah, uh, yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I, I think Tyrone Rings is in the squad, so anyone's got a
4: chance, really. <laughs> that's
2: I, the thing. He's left foot, like, though. That's why.
3: There's no. Other I think he's the most average player. But, no, we're on England duty now. He's in the Euros. I'm fully behind him. I thought he played well against them. He's going um, to prove me wrong. Yeah,
2: I thought, I thought um, he
3: did well. It was certainly a step up from his performance in the two friendly games. <laughs> yeah, and I thought definitely. he was an absolute nightmare waiting to happen in those ones. But, yeah, it, we're Euros now, so I'm fully behind him. He's going to prove me wrong.
4: <laughs> players like Tyrone Mings, players like Ben White, players like that always do really well when they've got cover, either in front of them or next to them. Now, Tyrone Mings in the Croatia game had both. He had Kieran Trippier to his, uh, to his left, uh, who obviously is a right back playing left back, and he had Declan Rice sweeping in in front of him. When he plays um, for Aston Villa, he has Douglas Luiz in front of him, and uh, he has Conser either at left back or whoever uh, Matt Target, who, who they sometimes play there as well. He has that cover. That's why Tyrone Mings always looks really great. You get him one on one, and his feet start dangling away like a dancing <laughs> puppet. and like that's the that's the reason why Tyrone Mings was so suspect in the two friendlies was because Southgate tried different formations to leave Tyrone Mings one on one, and that's why Ben White looked class is because he's used to being left one on one because Adam Webster, Dan Burn, um, and Lewis Dunk always leave him one on one for Brighton.
2: You're right, Alex. I'm not even going to try and contend you on that one. I was going to like maybe turn around and say, I think Ben White's top draw, but I kind of come back from that. But <laughs> back back to Willock. I really, really hope this this deal happens. I think everybody on Tyne side... Mike Ashley, you know, if this takeover doesn't happen, the one thing he can do is to bring the fans back. I mean, obviously, it's unforgivable what he's done at this football club, but sign Joe Willock, and you, it, it's not a bad thing to do. He's pretty much onto a winner there, isn't he? Because... He's such a such a good player. I don't need to rave about him enough. All Newcastle fans love him. But it's it's whether Arsenal are going to be willing to sell. That that that's going to be the main thing, isn't it? I think I think the, the price that in that same article was 30 million. I don't mm-hmm. think I mean obviously I, I would pay the money, but I think they can
3: get him for cheaper than that. I think so. I think there's a there's negotiation to be done there because Arsenal will want to sell, I think. From I don't know why they want to sell. There's no other Premier League midfielder that's been scoring seven goals in a row yeah. but if, if they do want to sell them which it seems like they do and we want to buy and Willick would be quite happy to come to Newcastle on a permanent deal then there's movement in that price there's just got to be
4: and if you're talking about movement in price you're talking to Lee Cherney he's the right man <laughs> the, the 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 story that I always remember is when uh, when a couple of seasons ago we were chasing after like Remy on a permanent after he he excelled in a, a in a loan move um uh, you guys might remember um and yeah. the 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 club that he was at at the time wanted twenty million um Lee Cherney went to them and said how about fourteen um they they said no um and they went back and said sixteen and they said no we want twenty million and he said how about eighteen. <laughs> and um, you can have him on loan this season. Um, and they, stopped, they just stopped returning his phone calls after that, and obviously he went to a different club, um, and uh, didn't really excel at a different club, so we might have dodged a bullet. But Lee Cheney is, is the wheeler-dealer man. Like, we know this already. Like, he will not just take a transfer at £20 million and go, yeah, OK, that seems fair. Uh, he'll probably go, let's have £40 million, please. Uh, because we want that 70% Sports Direct
2: offer off. To be fair to Lee Charnley, though, I don't know whether you guys have uh, seen the article in The Athletic that came out this week. They're trying to do a bit of digging into, into who is who is Lee Charnley. And, I mean, it's probably the toughest gig. I mean, obviously, he's earning a lot of money, but it's, it's a pretty tough gig to have. And he essentially runs the club, and it's just him. And he's, he's got his hands tied behind his back. It, like, even very, very small things, like contract extensions, that sort of thing, he has to go to Mike Ashley for everything, apparently. It, it's a tough gig, but it's probably the reason why Newcastle are so frugal with their transfer business and why yeah. they constantly underbid for players, constantly have players stolen from under their noses because of the way the clubs run. And it, it, it would be so good this summer if, if the takeover was to go through because I think Willick would be straight through the door. Rafa Benitez, that was someone I wanted to come on to. Harry from the future here, just jumping in before you hear this next bit about Rafa Benitez. Basically, we recorded this podcast the day before all of the Rafa to Everton stuff just started to unfold, so this next segment might sound a little bit outdated, so just bear with us. How many Premier League jobs have come up this summer already? We've seen that article, I think it came out in January, that he's back home in the UK, he's waiting for a Premier League job, he's waiting for an ambitious club to come and take him. Everton and Wolves both need managers, and neither one of them have gone for Rafa Benitez. Is, is it just? Oh, am I looking too deep into this, or is he truly waiting for Newcastle? Because there's not many other jobs going to come up, is there?
3: I'd love to agree that it's this romantic thing that he's waiting for Newcastle. <laughs> but I, I think there's there's sufficient reasons to why it wouldn't necessarily work at Everton or Wolves. You know, you've got Wolves; they've got a very specific model, and I think. It's no surprise that the the main people that are linked is are Portuguese and linked to the same sort of agents and the same sort of group in football. And I'm not sure that's Rafa Benitez per se. And with Everton, you've got the whole Liverpool links. I I don't know. I mean, I'm surprised he's not got management football management at any level. He seems to be wanting definitely to come back to England or Italy. I think's been mentioned as well because he jumped straight into the China project and he probably looking back he probably didn't do the due diligence that a man like him would normally do, and he just jumped in because he was out of a job and he saw a project. But I personally am not buying too much into this waiting to join Newcastle kind of thing. I'd love it to be true, though. Love it.
4: I think it's just the England, uh, uh, the England tournament sentiment in us that we're all like really, yeah, this is going to happen. We're, we're going to win the Euros. Rafa Benitez is coming to Newcastle. <laughs> we're going to get taken over. cans is happening. Hashtag cans everybody. Um, but yeah, no, um, I agree and disagree with Dan because I want it to happen more than I, <laughs> I, I want to get first this year um in my university <laughs> um i absolutely would love it the club is perfect for rafa in every way um and i can completely see why he hasn't taken the other two jobs as dan said wolves um they're in a complete transition they needed an entirely new midfield and there isn't enough portuguese players that are willing to come to 14th place Wolverhampton Wanderers, <laughs> to be that midfield um and like the Everton job is probably bigger than we all uh, we all understand because um, with Angelotti leaving, um, there still is a lot of coaching staff that are there. Like Duncan Ferguson is staying at Everton, so uh, Rafa would have to take Duncan Ferguson. He's never really taken previous coaches before. He always instills his own backroom staff and makes sure that it's done his way instead of... The Everton way, and I think that's one of the major reasons why Everton haven't like jumped on another massive foreign manager is because they want the current crop of talented coaches that they've got there to stay. They don't want to leave them, which is why Duncan Ferguson turned down the Real Madrid move. Um, but yeah, the Liverpool link is definitely the main reason why I think Rafa won't be at Everton and why he's coming back to Newcastle. Oh, big Duncan Rafa would be a match made in heaven. I'd love that <laughs> in Newcastle.
2: I'd love Duncan Ferguson. I'd love to see him have a go at the job, to be honest. Because I thought he'd done a good job, didn't he, when Marco um, Silva was sacked. He came in for
3: the like, yeah.
2: final few games. I thought, oh, he's great. I'm sure you'll have seen that video on Twitter that he sent to that kid about his exam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unreal. World class. But Everton think would be the perfect job for Rafa, wouldn't it? Obviously, no. removing, removing the Liverpool links. Because you. you I don't think Rafa Benitez is good enough to manage a top, top Premier League club anymore. I just oh, think them boom. tactics are outdated. It's very similar to Mourinho and why he struggled at Spurs. And the demands Rafa has as well, you know, he, want, he, he he's very very good with the fans, and getting the fans on the side. We've seen that at Newcastle. Obviously not hard. We all don't like Mike Ashley so he was always going to win on that front, but he always seems to go against the ownership. He all, it, it's, you know, what I've always heard is, I'm going to be fair here, is 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 it's never enough, you know, you could give him 100 million, he wants 150. So Everton would be able to meet his demands in terms of transfers. So I think it would be a really, really good
4: job for him as well. And I think he would... Not in terms of football. Sorry to interrupt you, Harry. Not in terms of football. Everton want to play fast, progressive football. Rafa Benitez does not know how to play fast progressive football. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I argue that one.
3: Yeah, that I, I think that's months. a bit of a
2: myth. Look at that last six months of the season he had under us. I think we were fifth in the table on form. That, that, that final after after Armour on signed, we were top, top draw. So I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna argue on that front. But yeah. I just think that with if if he was to go there if Rafa was to go to Everton he would be lambasted for absolutely everything because i think the Everton and Liverpool rivalry is one, it's one of the most bitter rivalries from the Everton side so he wouldn't get he wouldn't get much time there who else is he going to go to though i mean you look crystal palace i don't think no. sorry crystal palace fans he's not he's not, not going to go to crystal palace it's not going to happen tottenham could can see an argument for it but it would be very similar to having Mourinho away in the style of football spurs want the you know, Spurs want to win win trophies, I don't think that would ever happen. So you rule out all them clubs, the only top top side, if if you're going to class them as a top side anymore, that is, is Arsenal, is the only club I can maybe see him going to. But other than that, Premier League wise, maybe West Ham, they're very happy with Moyes. He's not going to get a lot of money off Gould, Sullivan and Brady. So the only real Premier League club you can go definitely go, yep, great, is Newcastle and the new owners. Because other than that, he's probably going to end up going to Turkey or Italy or somewhere abroad.
3: Yeah, he's even if he is waiting for Newcastle, he's not going to wait indefinitely, is he? That's one thing it seems about Rafa. He needs to be in work. Um, so that's I don't know. There seems to be growing confidence. There's, there's always been confidence, hasn't there? Though yeah, confidence definitely. has never been an issue with the takeover, but it's just been misplaced. And we've got we've not been shown anything as of yet to think that this new confidence that we're hearing about is any other than what we've already seen. So I think Rafa will be in another job well before the Newcastle takeover gets resolved.
2: To be fair though, I think we're going to be close. To, I think we'll definitely know by the end of July what the state of play is.
3: How many times have we said that though? I mean, even well, if...
2: Well, I know, I know, I think a lot of it was blind faith before, but the arbitration is definitely kicking off at the end of this month or in July. So will definitely have a clearer picture as to what is happening with mm. with this takeover. I've seen a lot of ITK stuff on Twitter. I don't need to name the person because I'm sure all Newcastle fans <laughs> who have a Twitter account will know exactly who it is. But obviously, if they have got legitimate sources, then fair enough. But just don't mislead fans. If yeah. You're just
4: talking out your And you really shouldn't, you really shouldn't talk about an active legal case that's the thing you this don't, don't thing. know anything that's going on in there like, no one knows there's anything so many... many
2: the only people who know Alex are the ones who are involved in the takeover and as Amanda Stavely said in that interview with Bloomberg is she's got you know, signed NDAs they can't talk about this legal case so anybody that seems to have an inclination other than obviously a top journalist is, is total rubbish for me because nobody yeah. knows nobody knows what's in that takeover package yes Little things will get leaked from both sides. The Premier League side and the Mike Ashley side like we seen last week. Little bits will get out. But nobody knows what is truly in this arbitration package. The Premier League might have something that is so damning that it's just... They might settle out of court and not even bother. We don't know. Newcastle might have something where you go, well, we're going to win. We, nobody knows. That, that That's the bottom line. That's what I want to address to Newcastle fans is don't get too invested in the takeover. I know it's very, very difficult with... With obviously no Newcastle being on. Thankfully, we've got the Euros that just kind of cast everyone's minds away, and we can all dream about England winning an international tournament. But just don't get too wrapped up in these supposed yeah. ITKs on Twitter because the chances are they're doing it for numbers, doing it for, for retweets and follows,
3: unfortunately. Also, you say it starts in July. There's no, like, they it, it could rumble on even at that arbitration stage. Well, yeah. So it, it's, the Euros is the perfect distraction for everything. Absolutely. The takeover. The absolute <laughs> of our club all the time. <laughs> Can I say that?
2: Yeah I'll, I'll get the bleep function out. I've already said the word All oh, so right. That's the,
3: that's the, um. I've had to
2: bleep that one out that was great.
3: <laughs> it's just the perfect time. Could not have come at a better time. It's coming home. Forget Newcastle.
2: Yeah yeah. Uh, anything else we wanna wanna round off? I can't, I can't
4: think of anything else that, that we've we've not addressed. Not really a lot going on. I do want to add Go one on more thing. It is that if we win the Euros, or sorry, when we win the Euros, yes. that's the that's the main thing. When? when we win the European Champions, and we are crowned in glory, and these players are cemented all over, how much credit do we give Graham Jones? Oh, loads.
3: Oh, that's a great question. Yeah.
4: Brilliant. Did you guys see the the
2: training videos on the England YouTube channel? If you've not seen oh, the yeah. England YouTube channel, it is unbelievable. You've probably seen the Jack grealish goal that was um, oh, what where he what flicked finish. it up and just knocked the top corner. But they're them Graeme Jones drills. I, I love hearing his little Geordie accent in the background going, well done, Jack, well done, Jordan. I'm like, go on, that's my manager. <laughs> but no, I've yeah. got to give him men's credit. And you, I think it's understated a lot that the job he's done at Newcastle because the tactics changed overnight before that Everton game, didn't they? It, it, everything just turned on its head. And I think we would have been relegated this season, regardless obviously of how poor Fulham were, if mm-hmm. we didn't have Graham Jones.
3: Yeah, I think, um, obviously, none of us will know how much, but the tactics seem to be a bit more proactive as well. Like, the change overnight, that kind of went a bit stale because of injuries. They changed back, and we end up staying up comfortably. Whereas, we'd been very tactically stagnant, is what I would say, pre-Graham Jones. There wasn't a lot of cohesion at all. And you're right, things did change. And then the change, nuance changes, whereas Bruce might just go oh, I will go this today or go that today. The the change were more nuanced and they were sort of helped the team be more cohesive, I think. But that might have been down to Bruce all along. Who knows?
4: (laughs) So, do you think he takes lessons from the England camp, such as, like, the way that the team gel and the way that Southgate does, like, uh, obviously doesn't get the press one because Lee Cherney has an iron grip on that and then when, when we say Lee Cherney has an iron grip on it Mike Ashley has a grip on it, sorry, apologies um, but like when he looks at the way that the lads interact and the stuff that Southgate does to try and get the team to obviously gel in such a short period of time, because we've learned that behind the scenes that Newcastle dressing room is so split because of obviously what what Matt Ritchie had said, I know a lot of players backed him, but a couple didn't. A couple were on Bruce's side still. Like, do we look at that and go, well, Graham might come back and then figure out a way to make this team one, and then leading on in the same direction, and then in 12 months' time, if we've still got a Mike Ashley thing and Steve Bruce decides to leave, we've got Graham Jones as manager and we've got a United dressing room. It's a good point um, to make, actually, isn't yeah. it? It is a good point to
2: make, because I think the one fantastic thing about this England squad, and I don't think it was the case when we had the golden generation of, like, was in 2004, is that this they seem such a tight-knitted group. It's so refreshing to see a, a set of players that are all working for each other. You know, They're having a laugh and a carry on. But I, I, just, love every, I just love everything about this England squad. Uh, I hope they go all the way. I'm sure everybody does. But I d- Newcastle's such a difficult one to point your finger on because obviously we had all the turmoil in January, the whole training ground bust-up thing, and half the ma- half the club don't like the manager, and they're all going to go and see Lee Charnley. And at the end of the season, they're all hugging the manager, seeing how great he is in interviews. <laughs> so it, it's re- it's really really hard to say. But I, I don't I do hope. Well, sorry, I don't hope that, that Graham Jones leaves Newcastle to, to do England full time. I'm sure he won't. You can do, I'm sure you can do both, you know, we have international breaks for a reason.
3: Just to touch on the thing Alex said about Jones potentially taking up from Bruce, we don't know if that's necessarily the best way forward, you know, you hear about lots of coaches, I mean, John Carver's got Steve loads McLaren of plaudits a, as a coach, the Steve McLaren's the, 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 bi- the best one, and Jones, you've got to remember, had an unsuccessful spell as Luton Town manager in, in not too dis- distant past, so... It would that would still underwhelm me a lot, but we can still appreciate his abilities as a, as a coach and the difference he's made to Newcastle and hopefully England in the coming month.
2: Yeah, I think that's I think that's a pretty pretty good way at the end of the podcast, isn't it? It's good, good to be back on. Hopefully, there's no audio issues. I don't think there is using a, a new microphone, so there should be should be spot on. But uh, this has been Time War brought to you by Vavil UK. Make sure you do check out our website for our comprehensive coverage of Newcastle United. As well as the Euros, got plenty of stuff going on on the website, so please do check it out. So, from us three lads, thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you all next time.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.